Record. Welcome to episode five of the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. Your podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, and joined is my soccer clad friend, Rob Dunham. As always. As pretty, always. Pretty sure it's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really missing out if you're not watching on YouTube. You get to see the different jerseys every week. Uh, we're <laughs> thankful for our podcast audience as well. All right, we got a great show for you. We're going to talk the return of new movies to theaters. When fans might actually show back up, movies that we watch regularly, and of course, our watch list. So, Rob, you got any thoughts off the top? Uh, it's exciting that movies are coming back. The question is, when will they be back where we are, and will we feel comfortable when they are back? Yes. Lots to talk about. All right, so let's begin right there with the return of movies. So, after what seems like forever, uh, a slate of new movies is scheduled to be released this weekend. Um, all of them are more, slightly more of the indie variety, but they're still relatively big releases. So we have Unhinged, starring Russell Crowe, uh, Words on Bathroom Walls, kind of a, uh, a teen romantic drama, Tulsa, Cutthroat City. All right, Rob, did you check out any of the trailers or any of the information on any of these? Do any of them seem interesting to you? I did look up uh, all of the movies. Uh, the one I actually saw a commercial for this weekend uh, on regular TV was Unhinged. Hmm. And I have to be honest, like none of them are super like, I need to go see them kind of feeling. Um, when I saw the Unhinged commercial, one of the taglines was a movie that will make people come back to theaters. And I kind of reacted like, will it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you said they're kind of even though it's a russell crowe movie it's more of that uh indie kind of dark gritty feeling movie russell crowe kind of plays a psychopath and looks terrifying and looks like he ate a lot of mcdonald's um <laughs> but uh I, I wouldn't say any of them are like super necessarily exciting to me i think tulsa looks interesting story about a marine and uh, his daughter that he didn't know existed. That looks uh, fairly intriguing to me and uh, seeing what they might do with that story. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I would say, I would say they're all intriguing in the fact that they are new movies that I have not seen in <laughs> theaters. Um, that's their primary appeal to me at this moment. Um, I am, I am slightly um, interested in unhinged. It, the initial description of it reminds me of like the 1990s Michael Douglas movie Falling Down. I don't know if you ever saw this one, but basically he's just a normal dude. He just goes absolutely nuts on people. And so for whatever reason, this, this movie kind of brought back some memories of that one. So if I check one out this weekend, it might be that one. Also because it's the only one playing in the theater remotely close to where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, the one of the, one of the questions is uh, when the theaters closest to us will open up. Yes. And we'll have to see 
see about that. Yeah, this is, there's not, I've been disappointed with the theaters in our local area giving us some sort of indication as to if they're going to open, when they're open. The only thing I'm getting is like from the corporate regal saying they're opening this weekend or corporate mm -hmm. AMC says they're opening, not getting much of anything about some of the local theaters in our area. So that that's really messing with whether you know you can see movies or not. I did see that Regal, uh, for those of us, I know Ryan and I and probably maybe some others who listen, who are unlimited past members to Regal, they announced that they're going to do a month for free when the theaters start back up. So from when your local theater opens back up, you won't have to pay for the first month of your subscription back, which I think is a good, solid move. I mean, the theaters didn't do anything wrong to make this happen, but um, I think that will definitely encourage people to uh, continue wanting to show up and, and encourage them to stick with the service. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it's a positive development that movies are being released. And so far we haven't seen any more delays of some of the bigger releases coming up in the next couple of days. I think uh, new mutants go tickets go on sale this weekend and next, uh, next, uh, Tomorrow, actually, I think uh, tenant tickets go on sale in some places. I think we are reaching the actual end of the world because New Mutants is actually going to be released. <laughs> <laughs> it's been yeah. in production for about four years, if you haven't been following that movie. it's It's been an insane story. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see, uh, see what the first slate of new movies does. Uh, but we will, and we'll get to some of that in, in a bit when we talk, uh, when we get to our discussion items about theaters. So just happy to have them back at this point. So speaking of releases that are coming out soon, uh, there's some interesting articles, um, uh, one particular on IndieWire about exactly what theaters are going to have to go through to get tenant. So this is pretty interesting. This, I think, is fascinating from a fan's perspective because this is the backside, inside business part of theaters that most fans have no clue and we never get to hear about. Um, so this, this article from IndieWire, which we'll link to in the comments, just details all of the procedures for a specific theater getting to uh, release tenant. And some of them are pretty crazy. For one, they are having to shell out 63% of the gross to the to the to Warner Brothers. So 63% of the gross for the movie goes to Warner Brothers, which is an unprecedented amount. Uh, Rob, what did you think of this uh, this article? I thought it was pretty wild. There's a lot of uh, other restrictions or or guidelines in there. Uh, in regards to people having to go almost above and beyond local ordinances when it comes to mask wearing. Um, I'm sure that Warner Brothers does not want to be associated with uh, an outbreak happening because of their big movie. So I understand why they're asking for these things. I do wonder uh, how strictly or if they will even be able to be policed at all because you're not going to have a theater employee in in the theater with night vision goggles on, making sure everyone is wearing their mask unless they're putting something in their mouth food-wise, which is the restriction that they suggested 
to everyone has to wear a mask unless they're eating or drinking something from the concessions. Um, I think ideally the safest thing would be to not have concessions, but no theater is going to operate that way because they make uh, the lion's share of their money through the concessions. So they, they wouldn't even reopen if that was required of them, I don't think. Uh, also extended uh, commitments to how long they're going to show the screen, show the movie on their screens, depending on how many screens they have. Uh, I'm not sure what a typical commitment is to that, but it does seem like a pretty decent sized one because I saw that the, I believe it was the uh, big theaters with like 15 screens have to commit to basically showing it for three months. Yeah. Um, straight. Screen for so it's, it's, it seems like a pretty big commitment. I think so. I also think in part, you're no, there's not going to be as many movies out. So I don't think, I don't think it's going to be quite as cumbersome uh, for that. Cause I think there's just fewer releases now where it really gets interesting is when on your very small screens, like if you have, if you have just two screens, for instance, you have to do it for at least five weeks, which will run you into, um, the other Warner Brothers release, Wonder Woman 1984, which is coming out October 2nd. So you might be in a situation where your small theater has just two Warner Brothers movies in it, Tenant and 1984. Um, it also, it must, Tenant must have the largest non-IMAX screen each week. So your biggest theater has to be dedicated to Tenant every week of that contract. Um, unless you were able to stipulate otherwise. And uh, another, another interesting feature is that, the, um, that you're publicizing it, that any of the publicizing has to be done at your cost and not at the studio's extra cost. So that's, that's another thing. So this is, this is really interesting um, from a business standpoint of Warner Brothers putting all these these thoughts and restrictions on their new movies. So do you think who's getting the better end of this? Is this good for both sides? Is it good for Warner brothers? Is it good for theaters? What do you think? I think theoretically it's good for Warner brothers if a lot of people show up, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And so it might not be good for anyone. It really depends on, on what happens with people's comfort level with coming out to see the movie in the theater. I think the, the guidelines that they've released kind of make it pretty clear that they're trying to recoup every penny they can back from not being able to have stuff in the theater for so long. And the question is, will it succeed? And then will it impact and alter how studios negotiate with theaters moving forward? Yeah, I think, I think my initial thought is that it overall it benefits both sides because for individual theaters, you need a big release. You need a movie people are going to want to come to see, um, to be willing to come back to the theater. And so they really need a big release. And for studios, their incentive is to wait until you can possibly have the biggest margin. So the studio is conceding a bit by putting it out there um, pretty early on in theater reopenings and taking the risk that not a lot of people are going to come out. Um, 
and that they, they're not going to make as much money if they pushed it off, say, another six, eight months. So they're taking a risk from that end. And the theaters on the other side are, are taking a risk in having to commit for such a long time for the movie. So ultimately, I think it kind of benefits both. Um, but I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So um, another another franchise movie that um, news story that made its uh, way to the internet this past week is our good old friend Lawrence Fishburne was back in the movie news. And he was asked about the upcoming Matrix 4 movie. And he confirmed he would not be in Matrix 4. In fact, he confirmed he was not even asked to be in Matrix 4. What are your thoughts about a Matrix movie without Morpheus? Uh, it'll definitely be interesting and different, that's for sure. I don't know if it'll be better. Uh, I think you and I might both agree that as it went on, the not that any of them were poor movies, in my opinion, by any stretch, but I, I think that they the best one was the first one, and they kind of slid down a little bit from there. So there are some things to take into account. I in reading the article it said that one of the reasons may be that they killed the Morpheus character off in the matrix online, which was the video game, which to me is not a good reason to not have him in the movie. If yeah. that's the case, because I, I would wager that a large majority of the people myself included who enjoyed the matrix movies had no idea that Morpheus was killed in the matrix online. Correct. So it's not like you're holding to something that everyone knows already and they're going to get mad about if you include him. Um, another thing I saw was that the, yeah, even very recently they were um, they were in talks with some people to play young Morpheus and a young Neo. And so you wonder if they are moving in that direction maybe and almost looking to do a reboot or a shift. And we'll talk about that concept when we talk about one of the movies we watched this week coming up uh what do you think yeah i think it was interesting like if, if lawrence fishburne weren't going to be in it none of the original cast would be in it then it'd be more understandable but we know we know that several of the other characters are definitely coming back so the idea of leaving morpheus out um I guess it's gonna it's kind of a wait and see but morpheus was one of the strongest characters in the original matrix and i just think that the loss of that character i don't know that i don't know that there's gonna be enough people um i don't know if there's gonna be enough people available who can carry the load character wise and it's, it's gonna be interesting to see if an entirely new generation of people is even going to care about the matrix because the movies are 20 years old now yeah you wonder if they're going to try and do a complete reboot with new characters so that will be interesting to see what they have planned yeah yeah so we'll see it's uh it will be a shame to not see uh morpheus but it is what it is so let's uh let's move on to our discussion items so one of the things that movies coming back has triggered is this question. Now that theaters are starting to open and movies are starting to come back, how soon are you expecting fans to be back in theaters? 
Yeah, I really don't know the answer to that question because I know that even for me personally, it's a, a bit of a struggle to figure out if I feel comfortable going back to theaters or not. And I'm obviously uh, a big enough movie fan that I have a podcast about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I think that the numbers won't be super high. I think it'll be a uh, trickle. And I think that a lot of people will be holding out, waiting to see if it can be done safely. I mean, you've, you've kind of seen this. We, we are both big sports fans and some of the leagues that have succeeded have been really strict and cautious about things and they're, they're pulling things off. Um, but they're sticking to guidelines and that's why it's working. So the question is, will people stick to the guidelines and will it work? Another thing that's difficult when I think when it comes to movie theaters is if someone spreads it there, it might not be the easiest to trace back to the movie theater. So I don't even know if we're going to have a fully rounded picture of if it's succeeding or not. So I think for some people, it won't matter what you say, they won't be coming back for a while. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I really wish I had a better answer. Uh, more definitive answer than that but I think a lot of it is going to be based on what happens when they open back up yeah I think I think there you will have some people who will not come back at all you will have some people who it doesn't matter they'll come back and then you'll have the people in the middle I think will come back for a specific movie I think you're going to see that. I think they will come back for a specific movie. And especially if it's, if you're a little bit cautious, you'll wait for maybe week two um, just to get a feel of, Hey, how did, how did theaters go? And did you, when you talk to other people, Hey, did it feel like a safe environment? Did it feel like a good environment? Was it, you know, were you uncomfortable in there? If, if the reports come back positive, hey, this seemed like a good experience, I think fans will come back for specific movies. So that's why I think Tenet is so important. I think people will come back for Tenet. They will come back for Wonder Woman 1984. Um, some of the smaller movies, I think they're going to struggle more. Yeah, there's, there's so much information out there from all different perspectives about whether it's even safe to be in a movie theater. So it's it's just kind of a we have to wait and see uh, approach for a lot of people because they're going to want to know that they can be safe. And we I think we've seen with this whole situation in every area of life, there's no for sure knowing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's something that we have to figure out as we go. Yeah. And uh, hope, hopefully we'll have some exciting movies to uh, – encourage people to come out and hopefully everyone will be safe and it'll be uh, something that we can think about instead of what's going on. And, you know, we watched Inferno this week for our watch list, which is the opposite. I think we decided we wanted to think more about it, <laughs> but <laughs> I, that, that movie completely, the context completely changes looking at it now from when it came out uh, a few years ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I really, I'm looking forward to being able to see movies again. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's, let's go to the next one. And this is something that I was thinking about this week. Um, 
there are just some times where there are movies either on television or in your playlist and one of the streaming services, movies that you just go back to on a regular basis. And they may not even be your favorite movies. Um, maybe it's just something that's on a lot. Uh, but, but there are movies that all of us just kind of watch on a regular basis that perhaps we have watched more times than we probably should have or how, we, how much we care about them indicates. Um, so what, what are some of them for you? I'll go first on this one. So one of the, this, this was the movie that triggered this thought process for me is I have seen the movie Zodiac like nine times. Nine times. I, I mean, I wouldn't consider it my top 10, my top 20, but for whatever reason, I watch, I've watched this movie a bunch. I get in the mood for it. I see it on TV. I stop and I watch it. It's on, I think it's on Netflix at the moment. Um, I, I'll go watch it. It's, it's a movie about a guy, a journalist, trying to track down a serial killer and doing investigations. And I, I love investigation movies. And this seems to be like, almost like an archetype of that type of movie that I like. So I just watch it a lot. So what's, what's, what's something like that on your list? Uh, I would say that um, probably up near the top of the list, going in a completely different direction, is the movie Idiocracy. <laughs> yes. Um, every once in a while, I just get in the mood to watch something um, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> something funny and dumb. Sometimes you just want to turn your brain off and not have to think, just to enjoy something, not have to be super focused on the visuals even, just uh, be able to relax and laugh. And, uh, you know, that movie's becoming kind of a documentary now, so it's not maybe as funny as it used to be to me, but uh, there are so many aspects of that movie I just find hilarious, and I laugh every time I watch the movie. So that's one for me. Fantastic concept. Not necessarily well executed, but fantastic concept. Um, it was funny. I was, in, I was in Sam's Club yesterday getting some groceries, and as I was walking around, all I could hear in my head over and over again was, welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're not familiar, it's a, it's, a, it's a movie from, I think it was Mike Judge. It was a Mike Judge mm -hmm. movie. Yep. And uh, basically, human race just keeps getting stupider and stupider and stupider. And a guy wakes up after being in cryo sleep for a number of years and finds he's like, the most intelligent man on the face of the planet he's encountering them like watering their crops with gatorade and whatnot if you haven't seen this movie and you want to laugh watch this movie you will laugh so a couple more for me uh, the hunger games usually because they're on like every weekend they're on tv every weekend so if i'm cleaning the house or if i'm doing something random and i scroll through the channels like i'm just going to put something on the hunger games always seems to be on <laughs> And, and so I'll turn it on because it's usually better than all the other stuff that's on. It's compelling enough and I've seen them so I don't have to pay super close attention to them. So it's one of those, it's more of, I've watched these movies a lot out of convenience more so than the fact that I care about them. And I would say the last one for me is probably Interstellar. And this comes from the fact that I have it downloaded onto my phone. <laughs> downloaded onto my phone. Whenever I like go away and I share a hotel room with my wife, we normally go to bed at very different times. So she'll go to bed and I'll be in the hotel room watching Interstellar on my phone. 
I love it. It's one of my favorite movies, but I watch it because literally because it's downloaded onto my phone. As the sacred reserve space on the phone. Yeah. Um, so for me, a couple of additional things. Obviously, I've watched a, a lot of a lot of Disney movies and and other animated movies over and over and over and yes. over again <laughs> because I have two kids. Um, what's what I found interesting about that is that. I've noticed this recently when I, when I actually pay attention and watch the movie um, I realized that I've seen movies like 20 times that I didn't catch like 80% of the visual stuff going on in the movie because I was so not tuned into it that I could probably memorize uh, recite the script from memory but I, I don't remember all the visuals that I'm seeing like it feels like the first time I'm seeing them um, and then one kind of more along the lines of your interstellar pick for me is the prestige, which mm. I feel like I could watch every day of the week. And that movie, every single time I've watched it and I've probably seen it, it's gotta be like 20 or 30 times at this point. Um, I get chills at the end every single time. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense because like once you have a movie figured out, you like, it shouldn't impact you that way. But to me it is, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but I think the way it's written is about as close to perfect writing as you can have in a movie yeah. and hits every single note perfectly. And by the time you get to the end, you're, it's, I, I, that's my favorite movie to watch with people who haven't seen it yet. Yes. Because every single person I've watched it with who hasn't seen it yet at the end, they go, Whoa. <laughs> hit by a weight at the end of it. You do. You absolutely get hit by a weight. It's like just just the the enormity of the of the whole situation hits you all at the end of the movie all at once it's like a tidal wave yeah and it's incredible maybe in one of the upcoming weeks we'll have to rank christopher nolan movies because that oh boy i don't know if i can do that that's, that's difficult that's, yeah it's gonna be a tough one <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about our watch list here so we we selected two movies last week that we were going to watch um and the two movies were Inferno and X-Men uh, Days of Future Past. So let's, uh, let's start with Inferno. So the Inferno um, was, is the third movie from the Dan Brown books uh, starring the character Robert Langdon, in this case played by Tom Hanks. Um, it's a movie about a potential viral outbreak uh, caused by a terrorist. Um, and Rob, what did you think of the movie? It starts off in a rather interesting manner. Yeah, the first uh, five, six minutes of the movie, you kind of feel like you're in a fever dream and going insane. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about it is that it all ties back into reality as the movie goes along. But when you're watching it, you're they kind of put you in the mind of Robert Langdon the character played by Tom Hanks, uh, just these visions he's seeing and the craziness he's feeling about everything that's happening around him. Um, it's, it's a very interesting way to start a movie out uh, to kind of disorient the audience. And I think for some people that might cause them to stop watching, but uh, they do that because they're banking on people, more more people than not being intrigued by it instead of, being frustrated or confused by it. 
I mean, for me, it definitely made me alert and uh, really wanting to see what would happen next. What do you think of how they use that as a device? Yeah, it's fascinating because a lot of times you'll start out with the detention getter that really doesn't play much into the role of the movie. Like you'll start out with an action scene that ends up not being super important. Um, but this was, this was interesting because basically their whole goal is to immediately confuse you. Immediately confuse you and put you in a state of disarray. And like you were saying, it basically gets you into the mind of the character, Robert Langdon's character from the moment one. And so it really sets, it really sets you on edge as a, as a viewer and you consequently immediately identify with Robert Langdon because you are as confused as he is confused and you are as uncertain as he's uncertain as to what's going on. So you immediately get locked into his character and what he wants. So I think that's a fascinating way to get you to immediately care about the character. Usually the character does something that's called like the save the cat principle, where the character does something heroic to get you to care about them. In this case, mm. they did that by giving you the same mental frame of mind as they're giving the main character. And it really sets up the movie. Everything that happens from that point in the movie is set right away with that initial feel and premise. Yeah, it's kind of unsurprising with uh, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer and the other people who are involved that the movie is very well executed mm -hmm. and it just feels big. The, all the way through the movie, it feels like things are, are important, things matter. Uh, it's well acted, it's well done. I don't think it's the best movie in the world by any stretch, but it's definitely very solid. And I, I enjoyed, I had not seen it before we watched it this week, so mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think I think the Robert Langdon movies, I rank them in, in specific order in that one through three, the third one is better than the second one, the second one is better than the first one. So I think they've been getting better as a series. Um, I also read the book for this one before watching the movie, and this is one of those ones where I actually like the movie better than the book. I think the book was more convoluted. I think the 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 moral arc in the story is clearer in the movie than it was in the book. So I thought the movie actually improved on the story a little bit, which was not always the case. So, um, yeah, so go see Inferno. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, next up, X-Men Days of Future Past, a superhero classic. So... Um, this one features both the original, some of the members of the original cast of X-Men, as well as their updated younger versions that they debuted in X-Men First Class. So it has both sets of characters in it at the same time. And the idea of the, the older characters are facing annihilation and have to travel back to the past in which case they link up with their younger selves so rob what did you think of this movie as a concept and as a premise given that it was basically to try and bridge the gap between those characters yeah time travel can be a tough concept to pull off well and the question of does something that you go back and do impact something in the future and this movie is very clearly on that wavelength that they are intentionally trying to change things so that things bad things don't happen in the future. Um, 
it's it's very cool to see uh, James McAvoy and Patrick Stewart both playing Charles Xavier. Um, seeing mannerisms that are the same, but also seeing personalities that are completely different and working through some of the reasons that the, that change and shift happened in the character. Uh, it's a view back at um, Professor X that you don't necessarily see in the other X-Men movies. And from the very first moment you see him and he's walking, it's kind of confusing and disorienting. And then you realize they explain it as you go through why he's able to do that and what's happening in his time and um, all the things that need to change for things to get better in the future. And I think they did a good job of bridging the gap between the old and new characters. And it's not an easy thing to have both on the screen sharing the stage at the same time because that just doesn't happen very often in movie franchises. So I thought it was a fairly unique take on things. And I appreciated what they pulled off. I think it was a difficult feat and I think they accomplished it. So. Yeah. You look at, you look at things like um, for instance, the, the latest star Wars trilogy where they mix some old characters and some new characters. Now they aren't necessarily younger versions of themselves, but the interplay between the new and the old characters didn't always go super cleanly or super smoothly. But this one I actually thought went really, really well. And I think it boils down to, I think it boils down to the four characters and how they're able to convey the same emotion. That is the Charles Xavier and Magneto characters, both in the present and in the past, the younger versions of them. The dynamic and the relationship between those two is the same. In, in the present and in the past. That kind of love-hate relationship, mutual respect, different philosophies. I think that relationship, if you can get that right in both time periods and you can equal that up the same, I think that's what makes the movie work. That's what makes it work. And that's the dynamic that creates that realism that makes it work back and forth. And I, I think the X-Men is fantastic primarily almost because it has basically those two characters and their very different visions of the world and their very different viewpoints of the world. And so the fact that um, McAvoy and Fessbender and um, Patrick Stewart and uh, Ian McKellen were all able to carry that same dynamic, I think is really, really what makes it work. Yeah, they definitely, uh, it helps when everybody is good actors, yeah. <laughs> which is definitely the case in this. Yeah. The, my only minor complaint about it is the kind of extinction level event that they're facing at the beginning of the movie just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it's just like you show up and it's like, oh, it's here. <laughs> We're about to be destroyed. Now let's go to the movie. <laughs> and they kind of fill in the backstory a little bit, but that that felt a little rushed. Yeah, it's the record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I got here. Yeah. Moment of the X Men franchise. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's that's our uh, two movies from last week. Rob, what do you what are you watching this coming week? Uh, one thing that I'm going to watch that my brother just watched the other night and recommended to me is uh, Project Power, which is a new 
mm. Netflix movie with Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt that uh, looks like it has some real potential. And from what he told me about it, I'm very interested in checking it out. Okay. I am going to attempt to see Unhinged somewhere. <laughs> uh, some way. Um, and I might, I might get around to watching Inception, too. I want to watch it again. Uh, before Tenet comes out. I would love ideally to see it in, in, in a theater, but I just, I'm not sure where it's playing anywhere close to me. So I might watch, uh, I might watch Inception again this year. This week. I think we've also got a couple movies from previous weeks that both of us have watched that we're interested in talking about. So we might have something from some of those movies coming up next week for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else, Rob? Anything else you want to get into? I'm ready for a nap, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, uh, thank you for tuning in to the Film for Fans podcast. Uh, Make sure you uh, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and check out our YouTube channel if you'd rather watch us in person. Uh, And check out filmforfans.com. Thank you and have a great time watching movies. See you later.